What's up, tribe? So you want to know whether you should be stretching or doing flexibility training at the same time as your super accumulation program. Today, I'm gonna to share some insight and get Phil's opinions on the matter as well. We're gonna go deep into flexibility and overtraining. What's up, everyone? We are back, and we are back with a vengeance. This is a, a great question. That's, oh, that's Yanni, my Yanni, bad. Yanni, Yanni. You had Sorry, one guys, job, mate. Turn off your computer. One job. <laughs> uh, we got a great question here from Simon Schultz. Simon is uh, uh, moving into phase four, phase four of the pre-planned program, uh, the UMS, after you do the um, structural balance, or what we call our foundations program is superaccumulation and it's an introduction of superaccumulation. Um, we have sort of two versions. The version that we use to introduce the concept of um, prescribed overreaching and then we have the more advanced version that I've just done which is uh, where you really take it to the next level. First program is really about greasing the groove. Phil and I spoke about this before and then the second uh, version of it is, is really um, going to push your body and, and overtrain you and, and get a, a bunch of that super uh, compensatory effect from it. All right, pause. What is super accumulation? Ooh. Because, you know, okay. so super... not, not common vernacular for a lot of people, so let's uh, That's trip right. things back, pause, so and just really briefly, what super is Super accumulation is a, uh, is a sexy term that, uh, as far as I know, was coined by the late Charles Poliquin. Um, it was his version of prescribed overreaching. Prescribed overreaching is specifically designing a program to overtrain your body. Uh, essentially, you're hitting it with an, an, a secondary or a third bout of stimulus before the initial stimulus is fully repaired in the body. Um, there is a sort of known um, concept in strength and conditioning called supercompensation or the supercompensation effect. And uh, it's um, basically about the process of you know, stimulating the body enough to cause damage, metabolic damage to the tissues, and then the body tends to sort of take um, uh, about 72 hours to fully recover. And if you then stimulate again at that 72 hour period, you continually prog um, progress the body's adaptation and, and, and response. Um, but if you hit it too early within that 72 hour window, you can, if, and if you do that, um, uh, um, you, you know, you hit it too early, you're not allowing the body to fully recover. So you're effectively not getting the, the maximum uh, benefit from your training. Um, and if you do that too often, then you can overtrain and you can uh, experience the side effects to overtraining, which Phil would probably be able to share more than me. I've I, it's, I think it's rarer than people think. But um, you can use this like anything. You can use this as a variable, of, um, a, a variable to sort of um, elicit a faster response in the body. And that's sort of what we do with uh, prescribed uh, prescribed overreaching. Yeah. So for the people who have been following what uh, we've been talking about for the last few months, that would have uh, clued on that we're pretty big about load management as being one of the key things that keeps you training uh, well. Uh, you know, con continually progressing and, and not getting held back by injury because one of the, you know, real problems with people and, and trying to achieve their goals is they, you know, go really hard and then they drop off and end up being injured and take a bit of time off and then they go really hard again because they're back to it and then they go drop off again. So 
I can imagine it might be a bit confusing for a few people who are listening to this and being like, hey, you've just hopped on so much about, you know, gradually ramping things up. So how does super accumulation fit into it? And so I think it's an important thing to acknowledge that and explain that uh, when it comes to super accumulation, you're definitely not starting off like this. This isn't your introductory program. As, as Yanni said, you're starting off doing the foundations program. And then when you're getting into a super accumulation, you won't be doing the same session that Yanni's doing for his super accumulation because with Yanni, he's been doing this for, you know, 16 years and is his training age for this type of training is a whole lot older. So that means that his tissues, his uh, you know connective tissues, his muscles, his joints, everything has had much more time to adapt to it. So he can he has more sort of leeway with his super accumulation training. So uh, if you think about the capacity sort of piece that we've been talking about before with you know how big your bucket is and uh, then the load being how much water you're turning on, when you've got that older training age, then you've got a bit more sort of leeway either side yeah, where you... Bucket. Yeah, you've got that, that bigger bucket where you can handle like overreaching just that little bit more but if you're quite new to this and you haven't done overreaching before you haven't played around with those variables of you know shorter recovery times and um you know more frequency in your training then you won't have that leeway and so this first stage super accumulation is all about just like exposing yourself to a little bit of that without just thinking hey i'm super accumulation phase i'm gonna wreck myself and then you know absolutely uh, be fun absolutely so. so that's very important it's not my first rodeo with super accumulation and i will put it to you that uh, and some of you will argue, why do we do it then after this comment? But I've probably done super accumulation in my training age uh, a dozen times. And out of that dozen times, I'd say 40% would have resulted in me suffering some form of a, an acute, maybe an overuse injury, you know. Uh, I was going to say acute injury, but that's not true. Um, you, you are, you know, when you get to the the, uh, the stage where your body is, you know, fairly well prepared for this sort of thing, you, you push yourself pretty hard and it becomes a bit of a balancing act because the results are, the first time you sort of do it, you, it's, it's quite astonishing, you know, how much strength you can gain in, in as little as two or three weeks. But like Phil has pointed out here, the, the work before that is so important. And so we introduce a version, a sort of watered down version of the, the super accumulation program we call the superhuman strength program um, that uh, we introduce after three full phases. Um, each phase of the, uh, is uh, each mesocycle is six weeks, so that's a minimum of eighteen weeks of consistent strength training um, to prepare the body before we even introduce the watered down version of this. And the watered down version is designed to do two things and two things only: introduce barbells in a safe way and then grease the groove of the foundational barbell movements to such a degree that when you come out of that four week phase, you are are really, really um, fluent. Uh, is that what I'm trying yeah, to say? Yeah, I think fluent's uh, a nice way of putting it. Like on, just... on barbell lifting, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and so it's not really designed to overload the body. It's designed to reinforce really solid movement patterns. Yeah, and exposing with that real frequency of the training, which can That's be... That's right. The, know, reps, just... the reps and... and the, sorry to cut you off. The yeah. reps are key not the intensity the volume yeah. is key in this one not the intensity yeah yeah which is that grease in the groove term that, that yanni uses sometimes that idea that you know you're not like busting yourself to do everything as hard as you can but you're just turning up you're doing you know really consistent uh you know fairly easy reps but with, with such a higher frequency than you usually do to get used to um, these skills because with skill development it so much of it does come down to frequency of of practice um and if you can do little bits often then you're going to get much more uh conditioned to these movements and your learning process is going to be that much stronger. Now that's only if you're 
learning the right stuff. So make sure when you are doing your barbell um, lifts, especially if you haven't done it much before, it's so useful to be getting feedback. That might be feedback from yourself, just recording yourself and having a look and seeing if things feel right or look right. But, you know, for a lot of people out there who haven't been trained in this sort of stuff, it's, you know, you often don't know what you're looking for. So that's where a group like this, where we've moved to, you know, the Facebook group for this purpose is that you can put your videos up there and people can help critique it. And you can learn so much from reading those comments and, and then, you know, putting your two cents in about what you think and then having other people, you know, with that discussion. So yeah. it's such a valuable tool. And, and when you're doing these um, super accumulation phases, it's a great time to, you know, if you spend the what is it, two weeks of um, doing this or? My, the advanced um, program, when, once you go beyond that concept of greasing the groove and you're really trying to um, overload the body, then two weeks is the maximum you will ever do. Yeah, so say if it's two weeks, if you've greased a groove that, you know, is maybe not the ideal groove, then you, that's a lot of time that, you know, could have been used more effectively. So uh, make sure when you are doing this that you're really dialed in on what you're doing and the UMS mastermind group is just the perfect place to do that or better yet the online coaching yeah absolutely now that is um something that i want everyone to really 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 just uh, let marinate for a while what we've just talked about because it's very important there's going to be a lot of people in here who become interested in this concept of prescribed overreaching and and superhuman strength that's it all sounds pretty amazing and and the results you get are pretty amazing but you know simon who's asked this question he has gone through the foundations program you know, properly, uh, and he's um, got a prior history of exercise. So he is um, uh, ready to take on this next sort of phase. You know, it's it's important. And we do sell the superhuman strength program, the, the entry version of it as a standalone product to people who are trying to bust through plateaus. But the key there is that they're trying to bust through a plateau that they have experienced based on the fact that they are already doing a lot of weightlifting and a lot of strength training. And yeah. so with any type of training, there's often going to be diminishing returns with if you keep doing the same thing, you'll progress, but you'll start to progress slower and slower. So the superhuman uh, strength program, this overreaching is a really useful way of when you've started to see those diminishing returns and turning up and doing your regular thing. It's just a way of getting through that plateau, making sure you then give yourself adequate time to rest and um, regenerate and get stronger. And then you've kind of got a new base level that you're then starting off and, and working forward. So that's where it's a really like a, that's the use case for this type of training. It's, you know, if you keep on training regularly and you keep on seeing consistent great gains, then like I wouldn't stress about doing a super accumulation. Like you've already got adequate stimulus, which means that, you know, you're going to keep progressing. But if you have an adequate stimulus to keep progressing, it also means that you're really already overloading yourself and like quite a lot. So if you add in super accumulation while you're already seeing consistent pretty good gains, then you're probably more at risk than people who have plateaued yeah, that's exactly for right. injury. That's, that's exactly right. So let's make it clear who this is for. It's for people who are very consistently um, str uh, strength training already, who have laid their foundation through lots and lots of volume, good form, uh, who understand how to fail properly. Uh, and by that, I mean, um, you when you fail under a lift, let's take a barbell uh, back squat, for instance, the failure occurs in the muscles that you're trying to stimulate, the legs, not in your posture. If you fail in a barbell bench press, you fail in the pecs uh, and maybe the triceps. You don't fail in losing the structure and the brace. Uh, if you fail in a deadlift, you're not failing by round backing or cat backing halfway through your lift. You're failing because you literally lose the ability to hinge in the hips. Um, and that's very, very important. You know, to, to set that foundation requires 
banking a lot of repetitions. I just wish that, like, if I could get people, like, everyone in the world to know one thing about training, I think that would be just, like, such a useful thing because you see those gym fail videos where people are just doing like horrendous things because you can see that they're you know the muscles that they're trying to train have failed a long time, <laughs> like a long time ago. or like or they just don't, not they're using not even them. getting the they're, chance they're not getting the chance yeah. because they just have a weak point in that movement so yeah that's exactly like, people right. could save themselves a lot of injuries if they got this sort of stuff right and that's why i'm so like i'm pushing the you know making sure you're greasing the right grooves in a big way like i think it's yeah. so important that you get that right and use the use the program like Look. use the facebook group to to check I will say, uh, and this is a big statement, nine times out of 10, I, okay, let's be realistic. I reckon 70% of the time when I watch a video that someone submitted um, or I watch someone in the gym fail, the failure is not occurring in the right area of the body. Yeah. Um, and that means that there's piss poor load management going on. That means that someone's become impatient and they're trying to overload a, a movement that they haven't fully mastered yet. Yeah. And uh, so, like load management also technique, like technique is key. and. I feel like I've, you know, a lot of the times with my physio uh, treatments, like what I'm doing is just nailing down technique and, you know, people have the same sort of shoulder, but suddenly it doesn't hurt when you're doing things correctly. So part of it is load management and part of it is getting that technique right. So and te Check. technique just takes volume. It takes repetition. It takes patience. It takes and intention. You know, yeah, this is right. I mean, there's so many great insights that you'll be able to pull out of this. And, I, and I'm going to go uh, a little bit deeper. A lot of people don't understand that both in flexibility training and in strength training, the majority of the adaptation process is occurring in the central nervous system, not in the actual like muscle tissue itself. Out of six different strength adaptations that occur when you're building strength, um, how many times can I say strength in the one? sentence strength um, out of the six different strength adaptations that are occurring five of them occur in the brain and the central nervous system so you you know you need to understand that um, it, it and that sort of takes time it takes time you know you've got um, the the nervous system coordinating the different sequencing of muscle firing at the same time to produce the right movement you've got the 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 the, the, so, the program for that movement to, to to be reinforced over and over again in the brain you got all these different amazing things occurring and I've said it a few times like it takes time but it also takes intention so make sure you are really thinking about what you're doing and you're getting someone else to check what you're doing because yeah. you can think you're doing the right thing but you know yeah if, if you're not experienced with this stuff, it's really hard. And it's like, you know, simple movements like a, you know, a squat looks like a pretty simple thing to do, but there are a million different ways to do a squat just by changing how far forward your knees are, how far back your hips are, where your foot position is, uh, where your, your, your back is. So like you might think, oh yeah, that looks like a squat, but there's so many things to it. So make sure you're getting, uh, you know, this using this resource and um, yeah, and getting it checked. Videos. There's a great saying, and I don't remember who said it, but someone who is a um, uh, who is a coach. It could have been Christopher Summers, who's uh, the gymnastics body's um, founder. Uh, Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. 100%. Um, and that's, you know, that, 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 it's really, really quite important. So we'll get on to the specifics to, of this question now that we've uh, kind of, if you have any more questions about accumulate, like super accumulation, uh, get them in here. And if you have any questions about anything, put them in here and we'll get to it at the end of the show. But Absolutely. now for Very Simon's quickly before question. we do, just quickly have a, um, uh, say hello to Kwok, uh, Kumaran, Wayne, thank you for joining us. And uh, Jay, thank you for joining us. He's saying here, 
Uh, it's uh, midnight here in the UK, um, so that's pretty awesome. Go to bed, God damn it! You shouldn't be awake. <laughs> Sleep is important. Aren't you listening? <laughs> yeah. Aren't you listening, Jay? <laughs> no, it's great to have you on the uh, stream, Jay. Yeah. Um, uh, and Quark's got a question here about how would you program in super accumulation, which is kind of what we're getting into here. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. Absolutely. So the, 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 I'll read out the question because it's very specific to this, and it's a great question. And I have had a recent experience that sort of makes me feel a certain way about this, and it was good to have a bit of a discussion with Phil before we came on to get his opinions. So Simon said, uh, with supercompensation, uh, supercompensation, superaccumulation, they're the same thing, program and dedicated rest times, is it recommended to still include um, end range strength uh, mobility training um, between sets as the focus is on strength accumulation. Uh, if so, will learning or practicing end range strength on the rest days, uh, which in the beginner program is Tuesday and Saturday, be an issue to keep routine and learn the skills efficiently so that I can include them in the next phase? Now, the the my I'll share my experience first, and then you can um, share what we talk, talked about before. So my experience recently was when I did the super accumulation program. Uh, I um, I did a variation of it, and my variation included training nine times a week for two weeks. So twice a day on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, once a day on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, and then rest on Sunday. This and is different to the beginners program. This is different to the <laughs> beginners program, which you yeah. train, I'm pretty sure it's six times in seven days instead of nine. Now. I decided, because there's so much strength training, I decided not to include uh, mobility training because as Phil's going to talk about here, mobility training, especially the way we train it and uh, particularly end range strength development, is load on the body. And you have to manage how much load you expose your body to. And so I made the choice of uh, focusing just on the, 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 the specific lifts and not doing as much mobility work between sets. And um, I With only... With the plan to then have the next the rest week as being a big mobility week. Yeah, that's right. So I plan to take five days off and do absolutely nothing, which is what the prescription um, uh, suggests. You basically sleep, eat, and uh, if you can fathom it, have as much sex as possible to really stimulate testosterone production. That is literally in the literature. <laughs> and so... Um, I did that, and then after the five days, I came back and really started focusing on strength, uh, on flexibility, and I'd planned to do a week of very specific, uh, quite intense flexibility training for that week, and then go back and repeat the cycle. Um, why was I doing this? Because I'm about to turn 40, and I like to be in the best shape of my life for my decade birthdays. Now, a, a week and a half into the program, I started to experience an overuse injury in my hip, uh, which started with sort of symptoms of low, low back pain in the left side, uh, and a lot of sort of TFL, hip flexor, you sort of massaged me. It was kind of all over that whole hip area, wasn't it? Glutes. An angry hip. It was an angry hip, yeah. And um, it, it got so bad that I had to drop the last two days of the program. I couldn't um, finish the program uh, because every time I moved, my, like I, I actually, it started to affect my strength. I couldn't even lift my knee up. Uh, my hip flexor was just in so much um, discomfort. So um, I ended up not doing the Friday or Saturday workouts and and starting the rest period early. Did my rest period strictly five days, and then I came back in and started doing the flexibility training. And my first day, like it got really quite severe, and even during the five-day rest period, the pain continued to increase, the discomfort continued to increase. Um, and then after my first day of doing mobility, I, it, it almost went away completely. And I'd had a massage in the 
meantime with Phil, um, and it was intense. You know, he got into he got dug into the hip flexors and that whole area, and it was really inflamed. So, you know, my theory is that, um, and this is it's com- it's common when you do superaccumulation that something sort of flares up like this. You know, but I sort of thought. Um, because I'm so used to doing a one-to-one ratio of strength and flexibility, my body's really got used to that. And when I removed the flexibility training, um, I, it, it sort of made me a little bit more vulnerable. And so if I was to do the program again, which I will do soon, I'm going to include the flexibility training, but it will have to be at the expense of some of the weightlifting. And Phil can explain why. Yeah, as I guess we've talked about so much before, like the body gets really used to sort of what you spend your time doing. So if you've... Uh, been doing training where you've got that combination of flexibility and uh, and strength training like you do in the UMS, then you know your body's really like used to that and is adapted to it. And so it makes total sense that when you take out that flexibility and you're just doing strength training, that that kind of change you know could potentially throw a spanner in the works. Uh, but yeah, I guess my when Yanni sort of told me his theory before we recorded the show, my kind of like pushback to that was that um, when people often don't really respect stretching as a as a load, and when we think about total load management, especially if you're adding in end range strength there, then that can really just you know you're already super accumulating with your strength, and then with Charles Pollock and stuff, that wouldn't have had um, that initial prescription, that wouldn't have had like stretching and especially yeah. end range strength on top of that. So really like, you know, he's put like a high bar, like you're, you're suddenly doing a whole lot more than say if your thresholds, you know, here and your, um, you know, your superhumation is a whole lot higher than that. Um, then suddenly if you're adding on end range strength and flexibility, then that's adding just a whole nother level of load as well. So I think it's really important to consider those things we talked about earlier in the um, session about, you know, your training age and how, how much time you've given your body to adapt. And you have, again, you have more of a buffer if you've been doing things for longer. But you can see here with Yanni that even, you know, someone who's been doing this a long time, like still, you, if you're really pushing yourself, then it's quite likely that There's like a l- some, some, you know, little niggle could can flare up. So I just encourage you, um, Simon, if uh, you're really focused on, um, I guess, flexibility as your main goal, then talk, doing what Yanni is talking about for his next session where he'll be like taking out a bit of the strength training to add in more of the end range strength. And that's a way of keeping that total load um, at a more appropriate level. But if you're uh, really looking to use this time to get strong, uh, then I'd, I'd leave it out and just, but I'd recommend even with Yanni next time, keeping in low level mobility work. So just like Rad's talked about with his, the difference between that uh, stretching training versus um, mobility. Mobility is all about just moving your body through its available range. And I think that's a really, like yeah. that's something you, you didn't have in that, that last session. I think it's didn't, probably a nice idea just to try and I'll, um, I'll be honest, guys, um, I, I kicked myself after it because I didn't even do our regular warm up. Uh, I just became very focused on my strength routines because when you're doing two strength routines a day, uh, they can blow out quite severely, quite quickly. And, you know, it's it's psychologically quite battering just to think, okay, I'm squatting today. I've got to squat again tomorrow. I've got to squat every day for six days straight. Then I get one rest day. And then on three of those squat days, I'm also snatch grip deficit deadlifting. If you don't know what that is, you can go look it up on our YouTube channel. Not a comfortable movement. <laughs> which is not a comfortable, it's not an easy movement, you know, and it's just- And you're in, doing and, 10 and sets of six reps. Six reps at a... slow tempo. It's a yeah. grueling program. And, uh, and so my brain just very quickly went, eliminate all unessentials, non-essentials. 
thinking, okay, even our warm-up is not non-essential. So I did exercise-specific warm-up on the movements I was doing, but I didn't go through the mobility warm-up. And uh, I think that came at a cost. And it's really silly because I've, I know through experience and through the years of developing these programs why we have these components of the program in place. And so I really, um, yeah, you know, should like have a, practiced what I preached. It sounds like a bit of an essential that you've uh, <laughs> taken Yeah, that I've removed, you know. So, and, hey, look, a lot of this is yeah. trial and error, guys. And it's, this is the good thing is that this is why and, we yeah, like it's, to it's, trial and, and, and uh, things and learn from our wins and losses. And as I've often said, like, so much of injury comes down to human nature. And it's totally understandable. You're training four hours a day. And when you think about adding another, like, yeah. any more on top of that, like, it's 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 totally understandable, you know. Yeah. You're on that wall path to get strong. And if you... <laughs> You that's kind of exactly get everything right. out, else out of the way, then um, yeah. yeah, it makes sense. But that's, that's exactly right. So look, uh, there, there was a lot of ego in my in my uh, mistake. Um, uh, where it came from was that I'd done a month of uh, of travel and I'd lost a lot of conditioning during that month. So I came back, did the first month to just get reconditioned, and I literally just did our classes in the gym here uh, for an hour a day, and then I planned to do super accumulation twice to to first time to get me back to my baseline before. I'd gone away second time to actually improve my strength based on last year and um, yeah I, I sort of uh, paid the price of, of, of probably doing things a little bit silly and a little bit egotistical egocentric and um, yeah that's you know you live and you learn it's there's it always an element of trial and error in your training when you get to my level so and I think that's like a really key thing like you know it's not clearly not a huge deal for Yanni like it's, it's annoying like certainly but you learn from it and you move on like I think people can really get uh, just totally sidetracked by injuries and it, it then end up being a real downward spiral that just kicks you out of all good sort of healthy habits and, and you know, uh, routine of training. So you can see with, with the audience, like, okay, I screwed that up, learning from it, moving on. So yeah. I think that's just such a, a key thing that I wish, yeah, more people would do like respect your body's ability to deal with it move on and uh keep training yeah that's exactly right like our bodies are amazing things and they they, they adapt to what we expose them to very very well um those adaptations tend to happen a little slower as you get a bit older but they still do occur and they will continue to occur until the day you die so yeah, just respect that journey. just respect the journey and respect the process you know and the process for me right now is sort of going back to the drawing board dusting my shoulders off and having another run at the uh the prescribed overreaching mountain, and um, I'm excited about it. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. You know, I, I also at the same time, and there's a lot of factors, and this is another factor that needs to be considered. Uh, I have this tendency when I do prescribed overreaching to just hit the effort button on my diet because you're training so much and you're burning so many calories and the the changes in body composition happen very fast and like quite amazing you know you first of all you get have a permanent blood gorging in the body mean, meaning that you're permanently jacked because you're training every day almost twice a day so there's no um, room for the blood gorging to sort of dissipate in the two, muscles. Two-week party pump. You, you literally get a two-week party pump, you know, and you look amazing, you feel amazing, your ego starts to inflate, and, and um, then uh, from there you just start to go, oh, well, I just need to get calories in because it, it, it is a, a big, <laughs> it is important to really get the ca enough calories in. And I, because I do intermittent fasting still, or, or um, still time restricted eating, I am I only have a short window of opportunity of eight hours to eat every day and get that amount of calories and protein in. 
I just started eating crap. I started eating a lot more carbohydrate than I usually eat, lots of bread. Started like going through loaves of Lebanese bread um, and hummus to just get calories in. I started to eat ice cream on the weekends, like a liter of um, Ben and Jerry's ice cream uh, to get calories in. Um, and all of that, um, you know, when I spoke to Phil, he said, yeah, you're probably, um, um, like seriously um, inflamed, you know, yeah, like the possibility. kind of chronic inflammation that, that happens when you do have these, you know, like for one overtraining, like that's an imp- inflammation is important part of the, you know, how you, you're adapting, but that's kind of the acute inflammation of yep. the actual exercises, but that chronic systemic inflammation from stress, sleep, diet, like that can really start to, uh, make, kind of as we've talked about in the pain science before, turn up and turn down certain signals. And, and uh, Yanni's in a bit of a world of hurt this week in yeah. all parts of his body. And yeah. it's likely that. Yeah, that's right. Or he might so, have coronavirus, could have the flu. <laughs> yeah, who knows? We'll see. We'll see <laughs> in a couple space. of weeks what happens. Yeah. yeah. But um, we might so, be doing uh, this show with, with plastic bottles on our head, yeah. like that, the videos, uh, the photos we had a look at. Earlier. Yeah. We had some funny, we had a look at some funny photos of people in, in different parts of the world doing, trying to protect uh, themselves from the coronavirus. Yeah, a uh, terrible thing, but. A like, terrible thing, but there is some humor coming out of it. Um, and, and, and good too. There's a lot less pollution apparently in China because the factory, have you seen that? No. It's I'm deadly serious. They yeah. they they, ha- they had this on the news last night. I digress a little bit, but um, the the pollution in China is dramatically reducing. Yeah, right. better yeah. air quality. Yeah. yeah, better air quality. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, okay. uh, I, I don't want to digress too much. Okay, guys, that's um, that's pretty much the show. We don't have any more um, questions coming in. Yeah, We've hopefully, got... Quok, that uh, makes. You know, we didn't talk too much about the exact of programming here because, as you can see, the programming depends on sort of what stage you're at, and you're pretty advanced, so you're probably more on the yarny end of the spectrum if you were to do superaccumulation, whereas that would be quite different advice, and it really comes down to your sort of specifics of what your goals are and how long you've been training. So yep. if you do need any more help with that, then you hit, know. Yeah, hit us up, Quok, if you want, and I'll send you our um, uh, my version of the superaccumulation program. Uh, I'll share it with you. Um, guys... Uh, oh, nice work on the um the. I had a look at your street work. You know, your street workout stuff the other day, where he's like swinging around on bars, doing all sorts of oh, amazing really? acrobatic stuff. No, Man, I didn't see quite, it. So impressed. Yeah, awesome. What a beast. Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, guys, yeah, very very quick summary. Super accumulation is very personal to where your training age is. You need to still manage load. The introduction of flexibility training, specifically end range strength training, is going to add to that load. So it needs to be taken into and consideration. And I argue you don't even need to do it if you still are doing the regular amount of training and progressing at a like satisfying rate it's yeah, a really a, it's a plateau buster not a like ooh, let's have you know just do it <laughs> just, yeah yeah, like that's, sure. yeah. look, look it, like it, make no mistakes doing a super accumulation program properly especially the advanced version or the type of super accumulation that i'm doing is not fun at all it makes you feel absolutely crap it's designed to deplete everything including testosterone in your body which can lead to depression uh, which it often does Um, towards the end of it you will become a real nightmare to be around everyone will hate you and so will your body but you'll have a two-week party pump. So. But you have a two-week party <laughs> pump and you'll come out the other side stronger. And that's one of the reasons why we do it. We do it because it makes us stronger both in mind and in body. All right, guys, that's it. Uh, tomorrow we have a really, really good question in regards to how to progress 
calisthenics movements uh, in an intensification phase of programming. We're going to talk about two incredible cheat sheets that we use here at Unity Gym uh, called our isometric, ultimate isometric strength formula and our ultimate eccentric strength formula. And we're going to give you guys an opportunity to grab a free copy of both of those. We have them printed on the wall here. Uh, we're actually in the process of getting them redone by a graphic designer so they look much prettier. I designed them originally and, you know, they look amazing, but they can always look better. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so tune in tomorrow if you want to get a, uh, if you want to grab a copy of those and um, uh, understand how to progress your Cali in intensification. Yep. And share the podcast with people. And I'm still waiting on a message from uh, through the podcast uh, platform. Oh, you can record a voice be message. Be the first. Be the first. Yeah, you get a prize. I've told you, you get a yeah, prize. Yeah, Don't know what the prize absolutely. is yet, but whoever we'll gets think it, of something we'll, we'll really find good. it. Yeah. So. Thanks for everyone for joining us on the live stream. Big shout out to everyone watching later on on YouTube, and a massive shout out to everyone listening on the podcast. We love you. Give us a five star review. It goes a long way to the search algorithm. And uh, until tomorrow, see you soon. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.